Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kurkowski, and I'm so grateful for you joining me today. So in this episode, I sit down with Kelly Manzoni. She's an art of strength coach, steel mace, and stick mobility coach out of Connecticut. Kelly is one of my favorite people to follow on social media. She puts out some really amazing content on what movement and strength are truly about. Kelly, she's been a coach for over 20 years now, and I got a chance to talk with her about her journey. And her work with steel maces and Indian clubs really fascinated me. And talking with her in this episode, we went deep into the details and structure of how to incorporate these tools, but also the true connection of mind and body and how exploring movement and being creative is just as important for us. So Kelly's energy is really infectious here. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know you will too. So I appreciate you spending some time with me. And if you enjoy this episode, I hope that you can take a moment and give it a review on whatever you're listening to. And please share it with a friend and help spread this message of strength. All right, thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And Kelly, it's so nice to meet you. I've already been laughing for like five minutes just chatting with you off. So I know this is going to be great. Hi, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and what's up? And what's up, Matt? And we're joined by a second guest on here. This is a three-person podcast going on. So um, no, Kelly, I really appreciate you taking the time. As I mentioned off, you are one of my favorite follows you know, to do. I think that's a big compliment nowadays with our social media world. Um, yes. But all the work that you put out with uh, with your work. You've always got the fun odd object work going on, which we'll probably dive into, but uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. So thanks for jumping on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you have a, some, we have some good mutual friends I've connected with before. I know you've been in a lot of similar worlds with me, but um, you know, as far as original strength in the kettlebell world, um, you've been in really the steel mace world. So you got a lot of really interesting stuff to dive into. How I always love to start with this though, is how you got into this world, kind of your origin story. So oh. if you could, what was it, what was it about the physical world and coaching that inspired you to want to kind of bring it into a career path? How'd you get started in this? So for real, how I got started was I was like 19, I think. And, um, I gotten out of shape in college cause I paid for college myself working two jobs, you know, the typical college life. And I woke up one day and I was like, Oh man, I got to do something about this. And I really missed, um, movement. And so I joined a local gym in Danbury, the war Memorial. And I was one of the only women in the weight room. So most of the women at the time were on the stair steppers and cardio equipment. And I was in the weight room mm-hmm. and, uh, a couple of times people thought that I had worked there. They would come up to me and ask me questions. I'm like, Oh no, you know, I'm, I'm just working out doing my own thing. And then a few years later in my early twenties, I moved down to Orlando, was working out at a gym and it again was approached multiple times thinking that I was a trainer. And I was like, I think I found (laughs) (laughs) it's, it is in the stars. Yeah. Yeah. And so I celebrate 20 years this year because I'll be 43 in two weeks. And I um, started when I was 23 and it's evolved. Um, I've always been interested in history. So I don't know if it's my ADHD, but like, you know, history and, and English have always been my strong subjects instead of math and science. And when it came to uh, connecting to movement, it helped me to focus and it helped me to process. And then um, I love implementing historical training practices and tools into kind of modern elements, kind of like molding a little old world meets new world and making like a good recipe for a meal. With, with like a, a whole, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. What enticed you about the weight room so early on? Did you have a, somebody that introduced you to it or did you just kind of intuitively think that was the right approach for you? Um, I had always been like an athlete. So I started as a young girl in dance for many years. I think I was three mm-hmm. and I stopped when I was 15. And then I did gymnastics for many years. Uh, I was mm-hmm. on the same team. Um, I threw the discus in high school. I ran, but let's not call it running. It was really slow. Okay. Um, and I, I, oh, I was a pitcher for a little bit in, in softball. I just really like exploring different sports, different training mm. modalities. And when it came to uh, kind of getting into movement again, a true story when I was 19, besides being at the war memorial, I was like, okay, what can I afford? Cause I'm a poor college kid. And I went to Curves for Women. <laughs> oh, man, I remember. Yeah. 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 I was like, okay, I'm like, I need to start up again. And um, gosh, I was like, 
a good 30, 40 years younger than everybody there, but I made fast friends with people. And I realized that I really like connecting to people and connecting to, to movement. And that just was like, you know, I only went there for a few months as a kickstart, but then I mainly just dove into calisthenic space for quite a while. Like, I don't think I could do any of the things that I used to be able to do, but I used to be able to do two finger push-ups with my middle finger and my thumb, like crazy pull-ups. Oh, you crazy like gymnast. Yeah. I just loved it. I was like, you know, I, I think it's fascinating if, um, what the body is capable of. Mm-hmm. And if you are able to do it safely, or, you know, like if you build a foundation, then you have a little bit more leeway of what you could explore. And I uh, made fast friends with, I wish I could remember his name. So he used to be a pitcher for the baseball team, the Orioles. So he was probably at the, the time um, in his like late sixties. And we made fast friends at the gym along with a whole other group of seniors. And I used to go out to lunch with a full group of seniors from the gym. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was another way that I found like just connecting to people it, like, I know I'm going all over the place, but for example, oh, I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the pandemic, right? I live in a condo complex. We've been here for 15 years. I don't think I know any, you know, I met many of my neighbors. Now, all of a sudden, I know a ton of my neighbors, and a lot of them are seniors, and we walk together. And yeah. I love it. So it's just kind of movement itself is ageless, and it could bridge the gap between. Um, you know, people of various backgrounds and ages, you know, sexes, you know, religions, you name mm-hmm. it. I think like movements, its own beautiful language, and it has a way of kind of having crossover. And I think that's mm. one of the things that I really appreciate about exploring other training practices from other countries and is, you know, it really does bridge the gap in, in a lot of ways with communicating with others. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think the people that love history so much love speaking with senior citizens. I don't know why, but there is, a. (laughs) you know, I had a, I had a similar kind of upbringing in my career as well, because we had a silver sneakers group around here, which is the insurance. Yeah. Oh, I, I taught that class for years. I'm telling you, like I've been in front of groups and groups of people before nothing was ever scarier to me than the first time I was in front of like 30 seniors doing a senior citizen class. (laughs) Did you play Tom Jones? I played a lot of Tom Jones. No, we played like Xanadu, like from like (laughs) Olivia Newton-John. There was like these old mixes that they had. And I found one that had some beat. I'm like, okay, I can like step to this beat a little bit, but being, oh my God, being 23 years old, like teaching a bunch of like seniors, like I had no idea. That was the most I've ever sweat in my entire life, but it was probably one of the most fun classes I've ever taught. I agree. I did it for three years. Um, and I remember I was pregnant and I hadn't told anybody yet. And one of the women came over to me and she's like, my husband over there, he doesn't get it. He, he thinks you've been eating donuts. And I'm like, stop it, silly. She's pregnant. And I'm like, I was like, yeah, you're right. I am. And that's how everybody found out. I got called out in like the front of the Oh my, that's so funny. You know, it's interesting though. Like, I love that term that you use movement as language. You know, I think that's such a, it's a beautiful phrase that it is. And, uh, but even staying on that, um, that topic of seniors, like what it taught me so much is just what you said, Kelly, the body's a lot more capable than we give itself credit for. And I had a group of seniors, fortunately for me early in my career, that they wanted to push some heavy shit around. Like, you know, they wanted to lift some weight. And when they got into it, all of a sudden, like they weren't just using these little baby weights anymore. Like they were coming out onto the main floor and they were swinging kettlebells around. They're doing battling ropes. Like they're doing, they're doing pushups. And it was so funny. I had three women who I worked with who used to go to a curves, like down the street that got a bunch of their friends to come over to the gym that I was at because they were like lifting some fun stuff and they realized they could do a lot more, you know, they were a lot more capable of, you know, what they were kind of stereotypically told, you know, in itself. Absolutely. I think, I think for myself, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for those that have come before me. Like I look up to, to them because what we do now prepares us for the decade to come. I have a lot of respect for those that are younger than me, but I don't really get inspired by like 20, 30 year old, like fitness models or, you know, like I, I think of like, okay, I'm middle-aged now technically. And I, 
look to the people that have come before me. So that that's what inspires me, like working so closely with Paul Pokovinsky and, and, and all the education that he's taught me and just his resilience and the way he's, you know, uh, continues to move and train. And there's countless others. There's a local legend here who, uh, she's 73 years old and she is a power lifter. She's boss. It's amazing. Like, wow. It's amazing. That's amazing. You know, it's funny as we're recording this right now, one of my oldest, uh, chronologically and the longest tenured client that I have, uh, she turned 80 this year and there was a video of her from a few years ago when we did a tactical strength challenge in the old studio that I worked at and she pulled 205 off the floor at 78 years old. And I'll never forget one of our coaches there. It's like the first thing you do in the challenge, you know, there's three events and the deadlifts, the first and she's like, we should just shut this down. There is going to be no higher feeling than what we just experienced right there. Because we had 30 people in there just watching. It was like dead silent. Then all of a sudden the place just erupts at one time. It is. It's like, it's, uh, you know, it's so, it's, I never get tired of hearing stories like that of, of people who constantly push the boundaries of that. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I mean, you've been into the world of movement for a long time. It seems like you've always kind of had this kind of intrigue of different styles of training, kind of not following, I guess, the norm of, of fitness. And then you kind of, how'd you get into, yeah. How'd you get into like the world of, of like kettlebell training? I know you do kettlebell sport work right now. So. Oh, um, I, I love exploring the gray areas. So, you know, I love, I think that there's a lot of beauty in exploring the gray. And so there's black and there's white as far as like training philosophies and modalities, but I don't think everything is so linear. And, you know, I, I think that there are many things to uh, appreciate and to learn and to respect from uh, different styles of movement with the same tool. And with kettlebells, I was first introduced to kettlebells, probably like I first touched the kettlebell in 2005. But it wasn't till um, 2008 when I did Art of Strength with Anthony Delugio that really oh, okay. like opened up the door for me. I did like four or five of his workshops and I started to write for his website. Um, and I actually brought him out for a workshop before the pandemic, his first one in a while. And it was awesome. But like my Slater log is from Art of Strength, my vintage dumbbell. I have all of like the barbells that he, my vintage dumbbells from him, my kettlebells. Um, and what I loved about that is uh, with, it, we didn't pick up a kettlebell at first. When he was teaching, we learned how to snatch a barbell first before we snatched a kettlebell. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we, or we did a dumbbell first and then like learning the kettlebell. So there was regressions and progressions for everything. And he had an entire like vintage, I, I mean, well, he called it vintage strength, but like a, um, it, it was like a, a whole kind of system. So you had your dumbbell, your barbell, your kettlebell. And from there, I just was like, it, I'd always loved kind of old time strongman and always been interested in stuff like that. But it really was like, once I put my hand on the kettlebell, it was like, Oh, the sky's part. Really? Like, okay. I can see the <laughs> Like, because I, I, I don't know if it's the tactility, like the communication with the palm. And I think that's why it was a segue for circular training with me is I think with kettlebells, hmm. you know, uh, there's so much sensory and tactility and dexterity with the hands and you have to connect, right? So if you're going to make your kettlebell clean or your kettlebell swing or your snatch, seamless you have to communicate with that bell and there's got to be a connection from the brain to the hand you know like mm. it, there's the, it just was like it opened the doors of like depth to me because i feel like sometimes in the movement world we all move around with like earmuffs on so people are moving but are they connecting right oh that's an interesting oh that's i really like that analogy of it there there's something to it it's uh you know i kind of saw the same thing. Cause I came from a baseball background where, okay, yeah. yeah. So, you know, like when you, when you hit a ball and you hit it square and it really goes and everything moves off, like so many things need to be connected all at that right area to get that power. So the ball pops off the bat and it's just such a beautiful thing. And with the kettlebell, it was kind of similar. There was some sort of 
just connection of that mind and body when you do it right and it flows right on the wrist and there's that feeling in the yeah there is there's something that is different to it it's interesting because i was asked that question um you know recently just in a chat going back and forth with somebody like well what is it about this like tool like what and i'm like wow that's a really good question <laughs> but i think what you kind of said there just that total connection together is really powerful now the art the art of strength program i'm not really familiar with it so, so Anthony, uh, he was, I think he started his own franchise of gyms, maybe around 2005 or 2006. So like Pavel, Steve Cotter, Anthony Delugio were mm -hmm. all out there. Anthony, uh, you know, opened up his gyms and there was a, a punch gym here in Connecticut, Norwalk owned by Stephanie. And I wanted to go do a kettlebell class and I called over there and they mentioned like a certification was happening in Rhode Island. And I, this was before, I think it was either late 2007 or, or very early 2008. And then I was like, okay, like I'm going to go and do it. And then um, I did four of his courses and mm. I, I just, it was great. He, he was ahead of his time because he, he the way he um, connected everything or just like, even just the modalities that he had made, like uh, my large bulldog kettlebell that's more of like a novelty piece but mm -hmm. that's really cool um but he was doing you know how like you could do towel swings with um your uh a towel like you know for, right mm -hmm. work on hip hinge yep. like, these little ropes and, and using that oh cool okay um, pinch blocks like he was really into grip mm -hmm. strength. it was kind of like a trx before trx was a trx he had the two uh rope rings that he had Gotcha. Yeah. So it, kettlebells, I would say, was like the backbone of his, um, excuse me, Maggie, sorry, the yeah. backbone of his uh, structure of what he was creating. And then the modalities, you know, basically he wanted to preserve and show people some of like the older lifts, like bent press and with a barbell, you know, roll up, vintage squats, for example, um, mm -hmm. dumbbell swing, you know, and okay. And all those elements that I just love. And I still use the, the manuals that I have from him um, all the time. I look back at them and I still use the tools. One of the best things I've ever invested in. I don't need a purse. I don't need shoes. Mm -hmm. I just, the equipment in my living space is like. Get some, get some more fun tool. Oh, I, I totally get it. I'm not a splurger either, but a brand new piece of equipment is absolutely a blast. So it is. <laughs> oh, that's great. So the um, a lot of the work that I've seen, a lot of stuff that you post out is on stuff with mobility, especially with stick mobility, as well as with the with the mace work and the different types of clubs. I'm not going to pretend I know much about clubs. I've done some Indian club work. I know the benefit of it. I followed more from stuff that. Uh, Brett Jones put out with Indian clubs with Dr. Ed Thomas. So I kind of understand the aspects of it, but a lot of the work that you do, I'm like, there is definitely a strength piece to this as well. It yeah. Seems. I, well, I am hypermobile. So it worked mm -hmm. for me when I was in gymnastics and dance, obviously. And when I, I did butterfly uh, and breaststroke for swimming. But as I got older, uh, in my early 20s, for a short period of time, I was like, you know, I'm going to try like yoga. Maybe this interests me. And instead of staying with yoga, I branched off and went into art of strength or just like down the rabbit hole of physical culture, I guess you could say by a, like as mm. a whole. But I got into trouble with my hypermobility in yoga um, just because I could like, I could keep going and, and going. And, yeah. and all of a sudden, you know, like a couple of SI joints you know, dysfunction and stuff and, and shoulder, I never had any shoulder injuries, but I was well aware that like, I'm like, man, I got to really get back into the strength work. Cause that was after I had really been in, in strength training for quite some time and then just got caught up in life and wanted to maybe explore the yoga space. And it just wasn't for me. And, but mm. I liked, you know, uh, the concepts behind it, but then I became very aware that I needed to, I could work my end range under load, but I have to be very careful about being hypermobile. So, um, um, okay. you know, it's like, it's, there's that fine line where you could get injured if you go too far. So I, I want to stay mobile too. Um, I've said it 
uh, in a previous podcast, like growing up, my mom has had a lifelong like chronic pain. So she's been in chronic pain for decades and dealing with severe arthritis. Mm. Um, her feet to her knees to her hips she's just had her third knee replacement she can't open her hands her hands kind of like a little bit like like a lobster claw okay and um i wanted to try my best to explore movement while i can because i never knew what was going to happen genetically with what maybe i might have had predisposed Mm. to um and i wanted to stay strong and capable and mobile And so I, the backbone of like utilizing stick mobility, not only helps me to stay resilient and strong and mobile, but it also helps my clients. And, um, the reason I really got into circular training and, and also there's a lot of strength in that is, um, obviously we talked about the tactility of the kettlebell and that was like a segue. You communicate, especially with wood, like polyurethane and steel, like you can still get quite a bit of feedback. There's something about bamboo and wood for me personally, that I just zen out and I really connect to the the movement, but I like midline crossing patterns. Like I feel like sometimes we are very much in a linear pattern or Mm -hmm. lateral, but like midline crossing and then also like asynchronous patterns with uh, these clubs, we're working our brain. And, you know, like, so it's, it, and I get into a flow state or a Zen mode, you know, I get very stubborn. If I'm trying to work on a pattern, I will play the same song <laughs> like for 30 minutes and I'll just like go down the focal point. And I don't know if that's the hyper-focus of ADHD, but uh-huh. I hyper-focus and I'll just go at it. But at the same yeah. time, so like therapeutic and I'm like this is amazing and then it makes me stronger like once I I'm not a very good kettlebell sport athlete at all I just dabble in it I have so much appreciation for the community and the friends that have made yeah (laughs) art style and sport and I do it because I want to like challenge myself and I also like exploring different styles of movement but when I got into kettlebell sport um I think it was like gosh I can't remember is it 2016 maybe and um I realized that I really needed some midline crossing to offset all of that linear overhead with long cycle yeah. <laughs> because of my hypermobility too. Like I just need, I can't stay in one spot. Like I have to <laughs> mid right. and out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't, and I just, that's how I also got interested in stick mobility too, uh, was once I started doing sport, I'm like, okay, I need to really open up these fascial lines after being overhead so much right. linear. So I feel like circular training in the modern day, uh, uh elements, I feel fill in the gaps for me, you know, like okay. I just completed my manual. So I, re- I created a course with, uh, for original strength, like in, in collaboration with original strength, exploring circular training through the OS lens. And since, you know, Danny and Tim so well, you know, it's like we roll, we rock, we crawl, but we also cross our midline and we throw. And that's where, you know, uh, we could really get a lot of benefit from incorporating these tools. Like I'm going to be working with, uh, I got hired for the season for uh, the Hartford Wolfpack hockey team. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to be working with Indian club and stick mobility with uh, the, 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 the athletes mm-hmm. and that came about from their strength coach following me on Instagram. Thanks, John. There we go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he reached out and was like, I like what you're doing with the mobility and in the clubs. Like, so before the season ended at the end of the season last year, um, when it was this past spring, I went up and met and put a couple of the athletes through stick mobility and Indian clubs and they really liked it. Okay. And, you know, that'll be coming to fruition. I'll be able to work with the team. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more now. I think strength coaches are athletes themselves. Like I've got a, a couple of professional baseball players that follow and, you know, I, um, one of them reached out and they're like, yeah, you know, I wish I knew about this club swinging, you know, yeah. when I, when I was a teenager or, you know, or, you know, in my, you know, late teens or early twenties, cause they're all young, but you know, um, and how it kind of fills in the gaps. And so I look at it as it's a way to help these athletes 
hopefully maybe have a little resilience so that when they get into their later thirties, they get into their forties, into their fifties, they stay capable. Yeah. Well, I would assume, I would assume there's such a, there's an awareness development that comes from it so much too, when that crossing that midline pattern, it, it's true. Like I've, I've said that about kettlebell training, which I absolutely love. Like I, I think it will benefit everybody, but it is very one plain emotion that happens a lot of times, um, you know, so kind of getting those different patterns, even like, you know, some transversaries and some frontal planes. So I can understand the crossing the midline from there. I, I, God bless you for working with the hockey players and then benefiting so much. I used to work with youth hockey players and they like strength, strength, strength a lot of times. So to add the mobility work, good job on that. Well, we'll see, you know, I, I'm excited that, you know, a lot of the players are in their twenties and some of the older guys on the team, it's the farm team for the New York Rangers. So some mm -hmm. of the are in their 30s and you know um i think it's just awesome to have this opportunity you know it, it's communicating with them too knowing that their their time as an athlete as a pro athlete or semi-pro is going to you know it's there's many decades to come after that and a lot of them have started skating when they were like three so they have little nodules on the back of the ankles they have some foot ankle issues they have you know knee hip and then um they don't do uh, a ton of like upper body, like strength training per se, but the great thing about the club swinging is it's, it's great to kind of mobilize the T-spine, get into mm -hmm. the shoulder, work the tendons, ligaments, and joints, work on grip, get in some, you know, rotation and, and transverse turn, like you said, through the shoulders, which I think is such a good, like plane of motion to, to visit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Spend some time there. So we'll see how it goes. I'm pumped. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. And I'm also grateful yeah. that Danny and Tim allowed me to finally bring that like idea for the past few years to fruition. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, I could totally see how this just, you know, complements and just pairs up with OS work. So like perfectly, you know, with everything I that you're doing there. Yeah. Because, you know, like I, I love like the sequencing and, and trying uh, a lot of like the, the patterns inspired from, you know, Paul's teaching, which is, mm -hmm. you know, the, the British adaptation of club swinging. Um, uh, but I feel like the average person who may not ever like pick up a pair of clubs or mm -hmm. like see the swinging and they're like, oh man, that's like, whoa, there's, you just start with like the, a, the basics and a few of those basics could tie into any of your training practices. Or I think it's great for people who are recovering from a heart attack, a stroke, you know, like get the mm. logical uh, connections going. Um, I think for a lot of us are going around all day with very high cortisol levels and stressed out. It's just a great way to mobilize your body to build strength and to kind of like, huh, send out. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's easy. That's hard work. Well, exactly. I mean, like, and like everything that we can do, right. It's like, it starts with the great idea. And then of course there's an extreme level that you can eventually get to, you know, from there. But I think with, it's interesting, especially with athletes, you know, I think, and especially I see it from baseball and just having that mindset of that, like there, there's only so much strength you can add on to an athlete until it's, there's just no more carryover into it. You're, you're strong right. enough, you know, you're playing, you know, you're playing college hockey or semi-pro or pro hockey, like you're probably strong enough, like to add a hunt, to add 50 pounds to your deadlift is probably not going to be the difference of it, but adding mobility and actually awareness and range of motion, that's a completely different ability you right. know, to have in there. So I can totally understand where, where that really comes in. You mentioned though, so something so interesting about the feeling of like the wood versus the steel and that, and you just kind of can naturally get into almost that Zen mode a little bit. Have you, have you seen at all that like in other research at all, or have you talked to anybody else who've kind of maybe had a similar kind of feeling to it? Cause that, that was really interesting. I find, um, so it, no, research itself, like there's not a lot of like science behind like circular training in the sense of like, okay, these are the results of like, you know, mm -hmm testing the like what how is it improving somebody's strength like what I have discussed with like Paul because I asked him I was like curious about this I'm like okay like the Persian meal 
you know, uh, ancient Persian practice from Zirkane Sport and Bastani, and then also the practices of the, the wrestlers in India with their circular training with mudgars and jewelry. These are the jewelry, you know, uh, it, it's so ingrained in the, the culture and the history of training, you know, basically preparing people for battle from there, you know, into wrestling. And so in some places it's a dying art in practice, mm-hmm. you know, in certain pockets. And, and, um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm really fascinated about stuff like this. And, and then obviously if you go even, you know, our country is pretty young here, but just the evolution of like when bodybuilding, you know, going from old time strongman into bodybuilding. And um, I think that, gosh, what were we saying? See, my brain just went, boop, boop. Mm-hmm. what were we talking about? Sorry. <sighs> yeah. Just the, the different types of feeling in the hands with the yeah. wood versus the different, uh, different versus the steel. Thank you. So yeah. I feel like we got more connected to aesthetic versus like, uh, you know, the the reasons behind why we move and i feel personally when i use a bamboo gata or mm-hmm. or gata or or the clubs i feel like i i just get feedback from the tool i feel connected i love steel clubs i use steel clubs all the time but there's something about wood and when i was working with people uh, in teaching them when I went from like, you know, the, uh, the typical steel maces that you could purchase on the market right now are fairly short and the steel, you know, it, the distribution of the weight is throughout the handle and then in the mace head. And with the Gata, you got the bamboo has a little bit of flex to it. Not all bamboo is perfectly straight. So it's like you have that natural that's not so linear and rigid and it's got flex to it the feedback, it was like, where, like taking off earmuffs. And, you know, I, so I'll train somebody and how I sometimes clean up their steel mace wings is to hand them a gata. So they have all that weight distribution. Typically it's a longer lever. So it comes up to about sternum height on most people. And they, it's the longer lever. All that weight is at the end of the mace head and the feedback is more to the body in a way they're then they're like oh like the lights go off and then i hand them back the steel mace and they connect the dots they're like ah i know what that's supposed to feel like now wow yeah that's fast that's really fascinating how just that little change i really didn't think about it as much of just that feeling in the hand and really how much feedback i mean the hands are where we get our feedback really externally from the rest of the world that's so fascinating it's also me. the weight distribution and the length of the lever you know yeah. so it, it's going to feel uh different i mean i just i i love this i i it's crazy i got like my kitchen is full of kettlebells like my poor husband right. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere and i have like i think i'm up to 30 maces in total like something like that. And my oh buddy God, kids, you're like confessions of a shopaholic here for the strength well, edition. And sometimes I get them as gifts. Like my buddy's yeah. like 30 pound gata and drop that off. And then so, yeah, yeah that's so, you know, it's like a while back, the jewelry, those are a huge undertaking, but I like, I like building off that foundation. So it's like, I've built a foundation using the Indian clubs, which progressed to the Persian meal, which progressed to the jewelry. Yeah. Uh, in mudgars and and I just think it's I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, well, I think it's just I mean the the work that you're doing, Kelly. I think just is such an example of you know strength is a greater purpose. You know, it's like you can get strong, you can you know even build mobility, but that connection of it as well of getting into the mind, just bringing all that connection together is is so powerful. And I think this is a great avenue that everybody should really explore. You know, it's funny as you're talking about just the that difference in the wood in your hand. Um, yeah. When I had Sifu Singh on the podcast, who is a martial arts master, and then I did his mind boxing course, which was really a, it's a Tai Chi based program, but yeah. really about feeling that connection. And the first place you really feel energy difference is in your hands. You know, you build that, that just energy that you feel around the body from the hands. And as soon as I started doing that, the handle of the kettlebell, you started to feel a little bit different. Like you felt just the grit a little bit different. Like everything was just... Right. 
your proprioception started to increase a little bit more. And so it's funny, I've like kind of thought like, well, a tool is a tool. It's like, well, not so much. Like actually one tool could probably speak to you a little bit more depending on what you're looking for, maybe the level that you're at. But yeah, this is, that's the, just that whole connection of, of the feedback is, is just resonating so much with me. Wearing like, you know, you know, the difference of like what, if you're in a running sneaker and you do a kettlebell swing versus when you're barefoot, like I, yes. I train primarily barefoot. So I'm, I'm typically barefoot. And then I'm always like, you know, really consciously connected to my hands. And, uh, that's what I think of it as sometimes it's like, you know, like if you're in that rocket bottom, bottom sneaker, you're not going to, the kettlebell swing is going to feel, ah, like yeah. you could do it, of course, but you take, you go flat footed or in a flat minimalist shoe or barefoot, then everything wakes up. That's yeah. how I think of like working with these tools. Yeah. And it's such a different too, when you're barefoot and you're training like outside versus even inside, you can feel that such big difference of it. Yeah, no, that's fueled. This is, this is such an interesting connection. What I want to ask you about Kelly is the work of like, I mean, that term flow is out there a lot. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of work with the maces, with the Indian clubs of kind of building that flow. And a lot of the work that I've seen you put out, there is, it seems like there's an intuitive feel of like kind of getting into the motion, seeing how things feel. But when you first teach people, is there like a specific structure that you follow with, um, with kind of developing these movements? Yeah. You know, like, um, so for example, like I really love swinging the meal. So there's like, especially like the, the four count. And then there's also, um, you know, there's, uh, wrist rolls. It's kind of like a, uh, like a wrist circle with an Indian club. Mm -hmm. uh, there's elbow articulations where you got one club going back, one going inward. Um, and there's, uh, the pinky goes underneath the pummel with your meal. Um, and the ring finger goes above the pummel. And then in your Indian club swinging, the ring finger is above the pummel and then the pinky is on the pummel. So mm -hmm. where's my, wait. You have enough to choose from, so. That would be, you know, like the, the hammer grip with your, your Indian club, mm. then your saber grip. And that all, what, what I find with, um, gosh, when you're teaching somebody, you, you start with something basic, like a single club, mm -hmm. right? And you go from just the different grips, feeling the, the, sometimes you'll see people swinging their clubs and, you know, with like an Indian club here, this is one pound and their hand is pinkies above the pummel or midway up. And you just kind of get that connection. There's so much in that ring finger, in that pointer finger. So you always transition basically between your hammer grip and your saber grip. You go into a ring grip, like in your mm. circles. Um, but you, it wakes up the doorway. And most people that I train that uh, have kettlebell experience, they pick it up pretty quickly because they're aware of communicating where the placement with the hand, yeah. mm -hmm. that their bell is properly in the palm. So we just start with the basics, you know, hammer grip, saber grip, and, you know, as Paul teaches it, five circles. Like, so this is circle one, mm -hmm. two, an outward wrist circle here, circle three, cross body is circle four, behind the back is circle five. And sometimes, you know, um, I, I take it into very basic sagittal swings. Just both clubs in the hand start with, this is where it ties into original strength mm -hmm. and you know, just marching in place. Okay. Marching, sagittal swings, and eyes lead the head. So that ties in, you know, with like the rolling patterns with original strength, eyes lead the head, like egg rolls. So I follow the club in the back. You can go sagittal swings with elevation. You know, there's so many simple patterns that you could just build a base with. Then it's kind of it's kind of like creating the spine, right? Mm. Creating that base of just bare bone basics. Then you start to kind of fill in the vertebrae with transitions, adding a little bit of complexity, but keeping it simple. And then you just kind of progress and progress from there. Some mm -hmm. people want to stay with the bare bone basics. Some people want to add in a little complexity. Some want to dive all the way in and then others want to uh, then evolve into mace swinging 
or right. style club. What I have found is Indian clubs are a great way to introduce somebody to mace swinging. So, you know, I'll have sometimes occasionally in my workshops, like somebody that's, you know, brand new, not in the industry, you know, uh, is very interested in it, but is very hesitant. If I could teach them, you know, uh, Indian clubs parallels, mm -hmm. that's actually where their mace head is going to cast. So they're already learning the transverse turn through the shoulders and where to cast the mace head with their Indian mm. club parallel. So you gotcha, go, okay. you know, two separate arms moving to both hands on one lever, but that's still a transverse turn. Gotcha. Yeah. I see the carryover. So there's a bit of a carryover and then like inward heart shapes, even though you don't get the full bullhorn that you do when you are in the backswing of a mace swing, mm -hmm. you're still introducing a club or a modality moving behind the back. So that kind of introduces a little bit of a bullhorn. Um, and, and so I just found that there was ways to kind of build, build the bridge right? for anybody at any level. Yeah. Are you working with a lot of people who have never been kind of in a, in a strength background before kind of just brand new beginners, or is it a lot of people who have done more of strength work and then realize they kind of need to add this in, you know, to, you know, keep enhancing all the work that they want to do? So my work is, is fairly spread out. I've been a trainer here in Westport, Connecticut for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I still have some of the same clients I've been training for 20 years. Awesome. Uh, so it's awesome. So uh, most people that I train within town are uh, of typical age, you know, like maybe like above, like my age or older, you know, I'll have a couple of teenagers that come through a lot of golfers, a lot of tennis players, um, I, I created a sturdy athlete program for golf, mm -hmm. golf and tennis players, incorporating Indian clubs, original strength resets and stick mobility. Then I have other people like my client friend who really, and Adam who really enjoy kettlebells. So they're more of the, the kettlebell. Like I've always struggled to kind of, uh, put myself in a, in a box because I can't quite describe exactly like, I'm not just yeah that. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. So I've a little bit of everything, you know, mm -hmm. and I have, um, most of my online clients are fellow fitness professionals mm -hmm. and they are coming to me for a specific skill. So they're either looking for, uh, to learn more about kettlebells or they're looking for Indian clubs or stick mobility or mace training. And right. so my online business and my workshops are fellow fitness professionals. Yeah. I'm so happy you said you don't put yourself in a box because it's like that. Well, it is. It's like the, it's the weird thing, especially in the fitness world. Like you, like you need that niche based program down and stuff like that. It's like, well, it's like, if you're, if you put out a good product, you're, people are going to come and they're going to want to figure this out. They're going to want to learn from you, you know, well, from it might be an athlete. It might be, everybody yeah. needs mobility. Everybody needs cognitive function. Everybody needs strength. Yeah. You know, and I'm always learning and I'm always evolving. You know, like I'm not the same person, you know, in the industry that I was 20 years ago. And I plan on going and going Good. until I can't go anymore, you know, like, uh, <laughs> but I want to stay, I want to explore things that interest me. And a lot of the times, you know, um, even with like clients that I train here locally, I, I always encourage them. If there's an activity that like you used to love doing, go and do it again. Like whether right. it's basketball or whether it's bike riding outside, you know, like I think we get into, you know, the rut of, you know, okay, I got to commute to work or I got to go to work and, you know, I've got my kids activities. I've got this, you know, and then, okay, I got my scheduled workout, you know, every week yeah. this time. And then we start losing sometimes that that real relationship with movement in our bodies. It should it doesn't always have to be scheduled. It should also yeah, it, be intuitive. Yeah, exactly. And it shouldn't be structured as much. Sometimes it's just a little creativity of just playing, you know, with it. And that's that's what I always enjoyed about the work I did with Indian clubs is there was an aspect of play that felt like it. Like you were like warming up for a game or something like that. There was just something 
in there that had that element of creativity, not just a rigid structure of three sets of 10, you know, down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, maybe that's why I, I got down, I went down the rabbit hole too, is like, I always am programming and thinking of creating for other people. So I'm always like structuring in some capacity all the time. So for mm -hmm. myself, I like sometimes to really move unstructured because yeah. I, I can actually feel it and, and get everything out of it. You know, like my structure right now is currently, you know, more of uh, my deadlifting schedule, my rowing schedule and the kettlebell sport, you know? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then I have days when I just kind of play because I'm constantly on the go. And yeah. sometimes my workouts are split into two a days where I get a half hour here, then I get a half hour later. It all depends on my schedule. Yeah. I'm glad you went there because I was going to ask about your personal kind of training, you know, plan that you're working right now. And you just said you have some structure down on deadlift rowing in your, in your kettlebell sport world. When you get into your work that you do with, with maces and flows, like, is there something intuitively in your mind when it's like, oh, I need to do Indian club work today, or, oh, I need to play around with the steel mace, or is it more just kind of what kind of tickles your fancy for the day? It depends if I'm trying to learn like a specific skill. Like mm -hmm. if our pattern, like, um, the other day I spent a lot of time with these jewelry. So I was taking two of the large, uh, excuse me, two of the 17 and a half pound gatas and doing jewelry style swings with those. Um, cause I would, I would really like to get to swing these beauties and I could do single arm, but the two, I can only, they're so big. They're, they're <laughs> just Almost as I was going to say, if you're just listening to this, you don't see these two things are massive behind Kelly. Yeah. So they're, you know, right up to my chest and yeah. I'm only five, seven and they're 26.2 pounds a piece. Yeah. So they're 12 kg. It's the, it's the sheer like dimensions more so than the actual weight. Right. And I, I could single club swing them. I could get a couple of double club reps, but the other day I was like, I but I haven't been able to train as much as, you know, backstory with my mom. I've just mm -hmm. been busy. And yep. so I was like, today I'm going to dedicate to the, to the jewelry. I know realistically, I don't have the time in my schedule to, to give them the attention that they need. And mm -hmm. I want to, I have to get them up safely myself. You know, I'm here. I am alone in my living room. I have to be safe. But that was an example of a day where I was like, I guess you could say that was like partially intuitive because I haven't done them in so long. And I'm like, I know realistically, I'm not going to be able to give them the attention that they need all the time. Mm -hmm. But it was also structured in the sense that like, I really like was like, I'm taking this block of time. I'm going to, you know, start right. with uh, 15 pound maces. I bumped up to 17 and a half. Mm -hmm. and I picked up these clubs. And then other times, like uh, before my online client today, so I had a 12 o'clock Zoom, I walked Maggie and I had 15 minutes and I just picked up my Indian clubs and just was working on a pattern that I'm like, I can't get and I'm stubborn and I'm just like, ah, yeah. there's a little cursing, you know, <laughs> yesterday was a structured training day for me, yeah. you know, like I, I lifted yesterday, uh, kettlebell sport and, um, I did my, my row yesterday. So I was rowing yesterday, you know, and then I'll be deadlifting tomorrow. So I can't go crazy today, you know? Yeah. I love that so much that you said that it's like, you're really focusing on building a skill rather than like getting a workout in. And it's always funny. Cause like everybody's like, if somebody wants yeah. to be a musician, like, and you want to learn to play the guitar, well, you don't follow like, you know, Eric Clapton's guitar program, you know, it's like you start, you learn the basics and you build it up. And if you love it enough and you keep practicing it, then you can probably get pretty good. But it's always interesting in fitness where we're like, oh, I'm going to find the, the person who's been doing it for 20 years and just follow their program and think that's going to work the same for me. We still have this kind of weird thought process in the world of, of health and fitness of like one thing's exactly the same as another. So what you're saying, Kelly, is really kind of working on a pattern, working on a movement. And I think that's such a, that's such a powerful message that I just think continuously needs to be put out into the world of like, that's mastery to me. Like that's working on something rather than just trying to get a good workout. 
Well, I always call like my, I call what I do more of like a movement practice than like a workout because I, I, you know, like I've already now I've already been through the stages of like being a, you know, a dancer and a gymnast and just also like, you know, (laughs) all the athletics that I've done that were very demanding. And then just the grind of like, you know, in your twenties, we're like, I'm going to do good, you know, like, <laughs> like in excess. <laughs> well, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You try everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then you, you're like multiple times, you know, I could do whatever. And I just, I'm, I'm at such an awesome place in my mindset. Like I don't need, I have nothing to prove to anybody. Nothing. Yeah. Like I, I am not somebody personally that like really searches for a a PR on anything. My PR is just showing up for myself and and Mm -hmm. getting it done all the time. If I'm training for something specific, then, oh yes, I'm going to, I'm going to do what Mm -hmm. needs to be done. I'm going to, but in my day to day, like I don't, I I'm thinking of the years to come. I'm thinking of capability, skill, uh, longevity. Um, I want to be challenged, but I want to be mentally challenged, not just always physically challenged all the time. So that's what I love about circular training. There's this mental challenge with them that is different than a barbell, not, but there's mental challenge in barbell too. Don't get wrong. It's just, this is just different. Yeah. Well, and that, um, your message of what you had there, of what you're doing just rings so true in all the work that you put out. I've seen that from, the fo- from following you for a while and now getting a chance to speak to you. Um, you know, you have such a beautiful, authentic message and your energy around this is so awesome. So Kelly, thank you so much for jumping on. This has been a blast. It went by way too fast. Yeah, you know, I know. For it. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta go to school. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I appreciate, yeah, I, I appreciate you taking the time and, and talking with me today. If people have not followed you yet, they want to follow more of what you do. What's the best place that we can direct them? Uh, well, if the, anybody ever has any questions, my my email is kelly at kmmoves.com. So there's two uh, M's in there. Um, and you could find me on Instagram at kelsbells88. And then I have a website, uh, Kelly Manzoni. Monica is so amazing. She did my website for me. She rocks. Now I'm Oh, Rocco. Oh, I love Monica. She's the best. I love her and I'm very grateful. She did a great job with my website and I have to admit that I'm not tech savvy and I, I don't keep up with it as much <laughs> as everything else that I should keep up with. But um, you could always reach out to me on Instagram or by email. Awesome. Awesome. Kelly, this was great. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So much, yeah. Mike. I'm sorry awesome. about the ramblings. Every once in a while, my brain just. I love the ramblings. The ramblings are the best part <laughs> of podcasts. All right, listeners, thank you so much. I'll catch you on the next one. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. You'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.